Hello listeners and welcome to the lockdown series of the British Academy of Jewelry podcast. I'm Sophie Boons and today I have invited another fantastic guest to join me in a remote discussion in lockdown. We've had some fantastic advice from speakers in the past weeks and many have mentioned we can still promote and sell work online. But online selling and promotion most likely requires images. In a saturated market, standing out is key. So translating your designs and stock to images that resonate with the audience is crucial. I therefore have invited Leo Bieber, the man behind the lens, commissioned to capture the world's greatest jewels for some advice. Welcome, Leo. Hello, hello. So Leo, to start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Gosh, um, I am very lucky in being able to handle some exceptional jewellery and getting to travel the world and seeing some amazing pieces and stones and designs uh, which so many are not fortunate to see and I get to portray them in the light which I feel best suits them and best represents them. It's uh, mostly a creative endeavour so um, in my studio on Regent Street we build all the sets and come up with all the concepts of how to market the jewellery and then we go about lighting it one of my biggest uh, passions in life is to do everything in camera. So we don't really retouch any of the imagery. Everything we do is within the camera as we take the picture. So um, maybe a picture takes a little bit longer, but we get amazing results. We make the jewellery shine and sparkle and look epic as um, only jewellery is meant to do. When you're saying everything happens in camera and there's no retouching, is there a specific reason why you've ended up going for this route? Um, I'm a traditionalist and all my favourite photographers of the past didn't have the resources we have today to take pictures and their images are worshipped. And um, I don't know why when we have tools which cheat, we should want to cheat. I think the uh, ability to still create as if it was the very first time and give that kind of that that wonderful adventure of search and discovery which they had I feel if we didn't enjoy that experience today we wouldn't really have as much fun in the workplace and I feel that if you're going to have to spend your day working you may as well be adventuring and discovering even if you are sitting in a dark room with little inspiration around you. Do you feel that it also aids or improves the authenticity of the image? In nature, as animals, we, we are always looking for something which is comfortable and authentic and real. So we tend not to want to eat overly uh, man-made foods. We I appreciate, you know, kind of something which reminds us a little bit of nature. We, we very rarely eat anything blue, for example, because um, there are no real blue foods. And I feel this translates into photography. If you look at an image which you have an unspoken distance towards, you can't work out why you cannot connect. To me, normally that's because it's been pushed that little bit too far into the digital and retouched world rather than being a relatable image. I feel the success of hopefully my images and I feel the success of what an image needs to portray is the sense that you can pick the piece of jewelry out of the image and put it on to try it on. Um, it needs to give you that tangible depth and height and, and shadow where you feel immediately able to handle the piece of jewellery, even though it's obviously 2D inside an image. You're a sought-after photographer in the industry. What made you decide to become a photographer? Could you tell us a little bit about the journey? 
Um, it's a very odd story, really. Um, I struggled at school and uh, I ended up changing year three times, up and down, up and down. Um, and when I had to go back down a year after failing AS levels and still determined to actually get some A levels, I ended up taking up a subject called photography. And I couldn't believe how all the girls in the co-ed school wanted to pose for someone with a camera. So I found that quite intriguing and continued taking pictures all the way through school and managed to get A-levels, although I dare say photography was my lowest grade. But I knew it was a career that I <laughs> was quite curious by. And after leaving school, I had no desire to go to university. And uh, my sister, Cara, was living in Florence in Italy. And she knew a photographic studio there. And I went and had an interview and I got a job there. So I ended up moving to Florence and working in a, a photographic studio called Roberto Quali, Studio Quali. And they were a still life studio where we photographed all the still life campaigns of Ferragamo and Gucci and all the wonderful Italian brands. And that completely took me away from anything to do with humans and made me very curious about still life photography and kind of tied into all my curiosities with still life photographers of the past who I didn't know I was drawn to, like Robert Mapplethorpe. Everything that they did in the studio, I was obviously a lighting assistant, so I was very much part of lighting all the, um, all the sets. And I was curious to know why they always used flash and then retouched everything afterwards. And um, this started this long journey of wanting to rebel within the photographic world and saying that flash is the easy way out, is the easy option, and really you can paint with light. And if you use continuous lighting, you can paint. For example, if it's a, a ring, you can make sure that every part of the shank, however rounded, is reflectionless. And you can have it absolutely perfect and retain the color of the gold, or you could add black, you can do whatever you want with painting with it with the light itself rather than using flash which gives you an instantaneous fast exposure and then you have to deal with the consequences digitally afterwards that's really interesting it's like um you've perfected the art of writing with light which is what i believe photography used to come from right well i i always say that um because i i don't really connect as a photographer and i i for example in in my in my own life, not away you know away from work, I I travel a lot and I go on wonderful adventures. It's where most of my my earnings go is to, to be able to explore and see the world. Although obviously with Corona now, who knows if we'll ever see anything again? I have no photographic evidence of my travels. I I don't take a camera with me anywhere. I have zero interest in taking pictures. For me, the joy of taking pictures is capturing light, which I create. And so in that vein, I very much call myself. Uh, a lighting designer uh, and uh, a lighting artist. I, I don't really consider myself as a photographer, which I think is why kind of the whole concept of retouching imagery seems so unappealing because if you can't get it done when you're taking the picture, then you've kind of failed. And I really love light. And if you are a sculptor, you make a sculpture within a studio and that studio is lit in a certain way. So I always think that if you take this sculpture out of that studio, then suddenly it's a totally different entity. Can't be the same as the way the artist saw it. And we are so spoiled in photography where I can create a lighting setup, capture it with a camera, and then I know that I've kept it forever. And whatever room you put it in, you've captured and caught that moment. And to me, that's very exciting. So is it fair to say that images you create are not a reference for something, but they are capturing a moment? 
if only uh, when I'm when I'm as successful as I plan to be, then yes, that'll be the answer. But for now, I still have to pay bills. So the amount of e-commerce images I end up doing is uh, fairly depressing, but um, that does pay my rent. As soon as I'm appreciated for my creativity and all I shoot is uh, 100% um, creative imagery, then yes, those moments will be savoured. But for now, I still have to pay bills and it's where the market is at the moment. It's good to know that this is the case for a lot of artistic professions because in jewellery, this is pretty much the same. Okay, so with years of experience photographing jewellery, why do you think images of jewellery are important today? Oh, there are so many reasons. I've actually, now more than ever with us all being locked down, there are so many moments in life where there, we are tempted by things that are so unnecessary. Jewellery is one of the greatest luxuries, uh, which you cannot qualify any reason for actually owning, really. However, we are all drawn to it. There is something so special about the design. So we go to certain designers for their merit. Uh, there's something so amazing about the perfect stone, which is obviously every jeweller's pursuit to find that one stone which they can tell a story about. The marriage of the design of the stones and everything makes us all want to own something particular. However, its rarity means that we can't go into any high street and have a look at the one object. It has to be brought to us. In the world of social media, we're very spoilt to be able to put a picture in front of any person. But there are also so many other pictures in front of all these people. And they need to actually have one image that stands out and catches their imagination when it is in front of them. Um, and that is my job. And that's what I really love about it, is that I can capture someone, even if it's for five seconds, they will notice that bit of jewellery because it's been photographed in a certain way and they want to handle it. And the image just speaks so true and it's so necessary. And I, if I ever see another photographer shoot on a, on a bit of bathroom marble again, I'll go mad because they are missing the point. There are so many more textures out there than marble and everyone always seems to want to photograph on top. You can capture anyone's imagination by putting them in that setting which is familiar but different but curious but interesting and it has a certain bit of colour or texture or whatever it is and thankfully because this world is so amazing there are limitless textures and abilities to place you know items on or build a world or a set with jewellery because it's so small it can be transported into so many different worlds and you can appeal to so many different markets from one image and we're very lucky uh, to work on a scale which is so small imagine if you're having to move people around and put them in sets you have to fill huge rooms with sets whereas with jewelry you only need a little shoebox and you can create a whole world and make it come alive so we don't have to be afraid of placing a piece of jewelry in a context not at all as long as it looks real and that's where the light comes in you know if you put it in front of a window it might look a little bit flat and people can't quite understand the context you know, when, when I say uh, we work with light and we're lighting artists in my studio, we do it down to degrees Kelvin. I can tell you that, you know, I shoot to 5,200 degrees Kelvin. Every single light in my studio will be measured the same. And therefore, if I want to then create a certain environment, I'm doing it down to the color temperature of the light, not just the intensity of the light or the direction of the light. And that is how you kind of layer, you know, wonderful layers of light and haze. And oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, you can do anything with the light. There are reasons why we do this for professions and there are reasons why I'm not a goldsmith. Uh, I made my girlfriend a little bracelet out of yarn when I was knitting the other day and so she's now got a little woolen bracelet 
um, I wouldn't call myself a jeweler. Um, everyone has an iPhone and they can take wonderful pictures on their iPhones, but they're not necessarily photographers. And so there is a, there is a very real difference between the two. I would say that, yes, you can take a bit of jewellery and put it in a wonderful setting, but it should stay looking authentic. I'd say there's, there's great success in the hashtag she said yes image of the girl wearing the ring, because that is real, it's authentic. She said yes, we're getting married, everyone understands the sentiment and it's very exciting. If you have beautiful flowers in the garden, there's a way of, of making it look like it is still spring and it's beautiful and this is the ring against it and it doesn't look too corny and too kitsch then yes, you've got to do it. But there's, the, there's a fine balance between keeping it really beautiful and really real and then making it look staged and, and uncomfortable. If we want to see what you have been doing, are there any brands we should be looking at? I am sadly very discreet. There's a website with my images on where you can probably recognise lots of the brands that they have been photographed uh, for. Um, also, my Instagram is fairly less discreet and names some of the brands occasionally ones I'm very proud of but um, I do get to travel the world quite a bit to photograph the nice brands so without using any names I do get to go to New York quite a bit I go to Munich I go to Zurich um, and lots of lovely places in between as well as lots of people come to London to my studio on Regent Street uh, where most of the work is is creative. So when you work with clients across the world should people when they're taking pictures also realize that a picture might not translate the same in certain countries so there might be different readings of the picture depending on your culture context background i suppose i have to be very clear about how i work i would call myself an artist and i have a lot of work that i do for myself which releases my creativity and so i always feel creatively fed before i start working for a jewelry brand i have released what i need to say is leo bieber's work so as soon as I work for a jewellery brand, I'm representing the jewellery brand. So everything I do has to be in keeping with their aesthetic. It has to be authentic to that brand. It has to represent who they're appealing to, so their clientele and, you know, kind of the areas of the world. So if it's for a Middle Eastern brand, you don't, you know, you, you treat it differently to if it's a New York brand. You know, you can take fewer risks and you still have to tell the story and perhaps it's a slightly more lavish set or I don't know it just you know you can you can use your imagination there are going to be differences but I would say that if you can tell that I've taken a picture when you look at an advertising campaign other than hopefully the fact that it's technically good I might have failed because you shouldn't be able to tell that it's my work you should say I know that picture that belongs to such and such a brand and you would never know who has taken it. And hopefully if you see my artworks and you say, oh, that's Leo Bieber, I know exactly who that is, because obviously it has my style. So you're performing in service for the brand. Absolutely. It's all about the brand. It's nothing to do with me. I, I have honed a skill and an ability to capture jewellery. And the more fluent I get, the more tricks I'm able to do to really enhance the brands and their aesthetic, you know, to take them that step further. You have to recognise the brand even not only by the, the picture, but by the piece of jewellery inside it. And the two have to marry well together. There are brands where their aesthetic is so obvious and, and you know it immediately. But there are others where you have to be more sympathetic to brand identity, to their logos, to their colour patterns, to their, you know, their history, their heritage, their, 
it, the list goes on and we can all think of brands who have epic heritage and which needs to be celebrated and continued but also continue to be modernized and brought into the 21st century so on and so on and that's the challenge of the job is to not have to say i'm leo bieber this is my picture all the time but to say what is it that i can do with my skills to continue your brilliant brand and enhance uh, these wonderful pieces of jewellery and make them relevant today. So many of us are in lockdown, might not have access to our jewellery benches, we might not have access to our work, some of us might have time to start promoting their jewellery with images and we might not be able to work with a photographer at the moment. What do you think we could be photographing in lockdown? I personally am in the countryside and I am splitting a lot of wood. My elderly parents are going to have wonderful amounts of firewood for this coming winter. I've been splitting green oak, so oak which has only just been chopped down. And it's a particularly old tree which died and it has the most amazing knots, a real bastard to split. The, the wood itself is so tangled up within its own knots, so I'm getting incredibly muscular. But the way the knots are within the tree is so beautiful and so one grain against another grain and circles and circles and circles of this wonderful oak texture. And so I've been photographing a lot of that and I keep thinking if only had a piece of jewellery because I could, you know, if I had uh, wonderful, brilliant yellow diamonds and I could stick it on that or it's so many different colours and textures. In fact, a you know, wonderful pigeon blood ruby would look amazing against it because it was just the colours, you know, with a little bit of shadow and the texture would just make it look absolutely perfect. And so I'm constantly inspired by uh, little things that I find uh, dotted around while being totally, you know, I, I work on Regent Street. I live not too far away from there. I'm a very much an urban boy. And then suddenly to be in the countryside where I grew up, but I haven't lived here for 20 years, and to see things which are so familiar from teenagehood and yet now so different and changed and in different texts constantly inspired um, and i think that everyone will be inspired by their surroundings right now because i would say for the first time in all of our lives since childhood we're witnessing spring for the first time and uh, now spring is slowly moving into this wonderful lazy summer which we might be still in in our quarantine and there will be endless bits of inspiration dotted around here and there from moments in life which have just passed us by from here because we've been we've been so busy and so i i can't imagine that anyone will be struggling to find anything creative to to photograph against because it is abundant it is absolutely amazing how many things there are to keep us inspired so keeping our eyes open and looking for the beauty in the small things around us that we might have not seen before totally and if you really love your jewelry and the jewelry that you're making you won't find it hard to want to celebrate it in different lights and in different ways if you expect us photographers to uh, celebrate your jewelry you have to be able to do so as well also you might have made that piece of jewelry with something in mind and a color in mind searched out that color and search out that theme and, and really promote it yourselves it's a great practice what i would very much say which i feel like maybe your next question about cameras and how do i do this and how do i set it up i would say very much just don't complicate it I imagine that all of us have now come into the 21st century and have a smartphone. I have an iPhone 6S, which I've had for five years. No intention of changing. It's not the newest phone. It's not got the newest camera. In fact, it's probably one of the oldest ones of all of us and the, the worst camera. Um, the trick, and this hold your seats, you won't believe the trick 
in how to photograph really well with any phone and any camera, make sure the lens is clean. So every time I take my phone out of my pocket, to take an amazing picture, because I actually think the best pictures I've ever taken are all with my iPhone. When you take your phone out of your pocket, wipe the lens and then take a picture and wipe it really well. And I promise you, you will get the best results ever phone you have and look at my Instagram and you can easily see pictures which are taken professionally so my campaign images but then also images which are taken from daily life and those are very much taken through my iPhone because I do not have a camera which can leave my studio so everything I take outside of a studio is with my iPhone. You are able to photograph the most wonderful displays and moments macro and otherwise with your smartphone so do so indeed. And really, when you do that, concentrate on how the light hits the object and how to just slightly move and represent the light around the object, around your piece of jewellery to best capture the facets of the gold or whatever. And the way of doing that, I would say, is just get some normal printer paper, tear it up, carry it around, move it around, make it little stands out of it, and just use that with daylight and reflect, you know, just a little bit with the paper and you'll find you get a very nice soft flat surrounding light which will also cater for the reflections and the rings and the shanks and the whatever metal work you have that you're worried that's going to show too much of its surroundings and you'll get a very good picture you won't get the best picture like uh we can get because you're not jewelry photographers like if i try and make a piece of jewelry it won't be as good as yours because i'm not a goldsmith but certainly you will get a nice image which you can put on your instagram and will certainly um, show the world that you're still alive and you're still producing jewellery and you're still relevant and that they should still buy your jewellery. Leo, when we're talking about taking pictures and in particular of, of our jewellery, do you think there is certain times where a really good picture is necessary? You cannot just take any image. It needs to be really good. Sophie, there is never a time in life for a bad picture. Yes, exactly. What was it? Hashtag no makeup selfies. There was a time when people wanted to see you without makeup and that passed very quickly. There is never a time to have a bad picture. I mean, I'm not a goldsmith, but I've seen goldsmith's fingers. I've been so lucky to be invited into so many different workshops and seen many, many benches. And I've seen the process of how jewellery is made. You guys are putting your lives into it. Concentration, the dedication, the time you're putting into designing and making and producing and giving birth to this wonderful piece of jewellery. Why would you only spend two minutes and give it a bad picture? Why would you not pay someone to actually take the best picture you could ever possibly have to represent this wonderful piece of art that you have created? Do not put up a bad picture because you want to put a picture up. Either wait or take time to really take the best picture you could ever possibly take and that you feel represents that wonderful piece of art. Agreed, agreed. So more generally, are there any serious do's and don'ts when it comes to photographing jewellery? Many, many, many. I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, really. I find that if you're a male goldsmith and you're taking a picture of piece of jewellery and you have hairy fingers and you put the ring on your finger then it's not going to look as nice as if you find a, a local lady and you say please can you just wear this piece of jewellery I'll put it on your finger and I'll take a nice picture of it 
things like that. Very, very obvious. You'd be amazed how many Instagram accounts, for some reason, a man has put a piece of jewelry on his finger, taken it and thought that was a good, you know, everyone's only going to look at the ring. They're not. They're going to look at the whole picture. So I suppose in answer to your question, make sure you look at the whole picture. I remember that was a few years ago. There was a viral image that went round of a girl selling dresses on eBay and she was holding dresses up against herself, photographing them for the eBay account. And she hadn't noticed that there was a mirror to her left. And in the mirror, you could see that she was naked behind the dress. And so these pictures went absolutely viral of this poor girl trying to sell her, her dresses on eBay and didn't realise that she was selling a little bit more than that. Always look at the whole picture. Always consider if you were the viewer, what would you, uh, what would you notice other than the piece of jewellery? Because, of course, we are all going to be so fixed on the piece of jewellery that we might not notice what else is going on around it. But just, I would say, attention to detail is the, is the key on um, any um, in image production, just like it is with making the jewellery itself. Do you have any courses that would be of interest for people or would you recommend just trying things out rather than taking a course? If you're stuck at home, then you have all the time in the world right now just to trial and error, trial and error until you get something which you find remotely satisfying. And I hope this isn't just about photography, this is about everything. Just keep trying and trying and trying. I'm an incredibly bad painter. But uh, I, I, keep, I keep starting again. I, take, I painted a couple of pleasing things, but certainly the majority of what I've done is utter tad. Is there any vocabulary or anything that people should look into so that communication would be easier with a photographer? I, I can't really speak for other photographers, really. I have lots of friends who are photographers and lots of them also in the jewellery world. And I don't know, we're all fairly uncomplicated human beings so we shouldn't be afraid of the jargon to start talking to you no it you know it's the other way around i've had to learn all about the four c's i've had to learn all about you know different refractive indexes on stones and and you know it's our job to uh to condescend to you not the other way around we have to absolutely learn the jewelry world and uh, not the other way around. You do not need to know the photographic world. We are your servants. We are here to absolutely make your, your jewellery look its total best. All I would say, and this goes for all of my clients, and it goes for anyone who wants to photograph their own jewellery and um, employ a photographer to photograph their jewellery, just clean it first. Make sure it's really polished, really shiny. And that's all that matters. I tell you, as a photographer, that's all I require. Nice, clear conversation. So we all know we're on the same page and a really clean bit of jewellery. I think that's a great tip, actually. <laughs> There's probably many jewellers who take out their pieces from stock and forget that it should really be buffed up, particularly if it's a metal that tarnishes. <laughs> and no one realises that if you clean the piece of jewellery and then you touch it with your fingers, it's not clean anymore. So, for example, my studio, our standard um, cameras that we use are 50 megapixels. So with 50 megapixels, I can see every imperfection on everything. And I have no shame because I thankfully work with the best. I can show everyone 
where there are, there are imperfections in their work in case there's a chip in the stone or an inclusion they weren't aware of. And so every imperfection can be obvious. And of course, you know, sometimes our images end up on billboards. Sometimes people want to crop in and see details. This will all show it is all obvious. And so you have to make sure if you've been the goldsmith and you've made a wonderful piece of jewellery, you don't want a thumbprint on it. Keep it really clean. Exactly. We haven't talked about sort of what images can add to jewellery, but is there something to be said for telling a story through an image that is perhaps not visible on a piece of jewellery or creating something new by having a photographer taking your pictures? Well, as soon as you team up with someone, you, you gain a whole other spectrum of ideas and thought. I do sometimes feel that that is taken to advantage because you can occasionally meet up with someone, share loads of ideas and, and then they decide that they don't want to spend the money and they don't do the campaign. I think we're very lucky that uh, we live in a world where ideas are limitless and there might be nothing new under the sun, but there's still enough under the sun for us to keep us busy and keep reinventing. So I think a story is best told with multiple images. I think Instagram really helped us with the story through three images. We have one, two and three and they all sit in a row and you can do that multiple times. I came up with this idea for a campaign in about 2013, 2014, and I threw it around through so many different brands and no one thought it was particularly interesting until I was working with Gemfields and they thought it was particularly interesting. So in 2016, I photographed an idea of mine, which was the 14 Days of Valentine's, which was a spin-off, obviously, of the 12 Days of Christmas. And it was all about the man wanting to woo his girl. And so it was his whole life in 14 days of him preparing her valentines and obviously it was gemfields it was through rubies so we had all these wonderful designers give their jewelry and we had a picture day for 14 days of him getting ready for his life so we had a david morris bangle we had a glenn spyro ring we had uh a watch we had fabergé several pieces of fabergé obviously because it was uh gemfields the list goes on we had all this wonderful jewelry and we photographed it. Um, really, really nice campaign, actually. One of my favourite campaigns I ever did. And it told the most wonderful story. And we pulled in the luxury editor of uh, Country Life, Hetty. So we ended up having all of the kind of male grooming luxury ties and leather goods from, you know, Ettinger and Floris and whoever it was. So we pulled in all this wonderful male merch, as well as uh, shooting it in, a, in one of London's five-star hotels. And it just gave this wonderful story of this man preparing the question I suppose it was for his girlfriend which of course ended up being a ruby ring but, uh, but it just told a really really happy nice story and um, anything's possible that was 14 pictures but uh, if you want to do something on Instagram anyway three pictures in a row you can go and you can tell a real essay in three pictures you can go a very long way. Have you seen any changes in photography in the jewellery field? in terms of perhaps more storytelling today than there was 10 years ago? I mean, it's changed hugely since I started. Certainly technically, it's changed so much. You can isolate certain parts of a picture and, you know, correct colours and tones and different things. And I don't really call that Photoshopping manipulation because it's something which is very possible in a darkroom. It would take so much time to mask it in a darkroom and to do it properly that people didn't do it. Now, today, we can do it uh, with great ease. So there is a, there's a huge finesse which has developed within jewellery. And I, I think 
sometimes take a little bit too advantage of you know reducing the amount of inclusions or you know different colors within diamonds you can you make that yes less yellow please i want it to look a little bit more fluorescent or whatever it is that people are wanting it within their stones it makes a huge difference but it's certainly changed a lot since uh, jewelers and brands have realized how much they can take advantage of a single image and i do still think that images speak more valuably than uh, than a video and I don't think videos are going to necessarily catch on as we ex anticipated they would because the demand for really beautiful imagery is still greater than the demand for uh, interesting videos and of course with videos you can tell a great story but uh, it's, it's more arduous than just capturing a really wonderful fabulous moment with, with one image. Since Instagram it's changed so much. We used to shoot only for brochures and catalogues to capture people's imagination and you'd start a whole new campaign and then you'd have one image from that or two images of that which then went on to the advertising campaign which would go into Vanity Fair or Vogue or Tatler or whatever. Now it's changed so much where we do a campaign a week if you wanted where it's, you know, because people want to tell stories on social media. And so the money has totally changed. People are spending much less money on advertising and they're spending a lot more of their budget than they ever anticipated they ever would on social media because that is the best campaign and the best story to tell. Everything that's going on with Corona at the moment, it's giving us a whole new avenue of storytelling and it's also going to release us into a whole new kind of sphere of visual imagery and, and storytelling and ideas. And I'm so excited to work with these ideas and at the moment, um, so Max who works with me in my studio and I, we are coming up with a whole new sort of manifesto. I don't really know how to put it, but um, it's an analysis of historical change. So, for example, post First World War and post Spanish flu, the swinging 20s, the roaring 20s, Cartier came out with Tutti Frutti, for example, and release and needing colour and space and freedom and imagination and design to, to really launch jewellery back into, um, I suppose, what then became the Gatsby era, you know, this wonderful time of great opulence and frivolry. And um, perhaps we're going to enter into that or perhaps we're going to be more woke and conscious and, and you know, find almost distasteful like wearing a fur coat to wear something really, you know, kind of big and brash and beautiful. But it's time will tell. But um, there's certainly a lot to play with. And, and as far as my job goes with what's going to happen now, we have to tell a whole new story going straight back to the set design, how we've staged jewellery, how we make it feel less confined, more free and open. Let it, you know, sit within a, an environment and a set which is both relate, relatable and yet not domestic, not enclosed, not in prison, nothing. Because we have to now cater for people who are going to want to spread their wings because they've been kept inside for so long. So it's very interesting how little, well, I suppose this is probably the most major world event that's ever happened, but, you know, kind of little changes in our psyches and in our, you know, our emotions we're having kept and being kept inside for such a long time will relate to how we perceive and devour imagery. And so it's for us image makers to uh, work towards a very clean and new, fresh aesthetic, to make people feel at ease in the world of, of digital media and still want to spend our money on the jewellery depicted within the pictures. When our lives return to normal and some people might think they want to work with a professional photographer for images, what does the process look like? How do we get in touch? What does a professional photographer need to know? How does it work? 
we drink nice coffee and so it will probably start off with uh with meeting up and having a cup of coffee and i'm very curious so i would like to see the jewelry and know what i would have to be working with and like to get to know the brand or if it's an individual goldsmith i like to get to know them a little bit better just to know exactly what we're working with um and share some ideas and concepts and uh you go from there really it's a very simple friendly process I imagine now it'll be done with two meter distances and face masks, but um, I suppose we always wear gloves to handle jewelry anyway, so that won't change. And uh, we will find a way of doing it. Um, I, I very hard to be able to really say anything otherwise. It's a, it's a, it's a usual business transaction. So the money is involved and you get lovely pictures and hopefully we continue for many, many years to come. Do you think our experience in lockdown will, aside from the masks and the two meter distance, spark any further changes in the luxury retail environment? I'm an expert at nothing in this world and I'm very curious, like all of us, to see what's going to happen. All I want to do is uh, get on the road and, and see the world again. So that's my only worry. I, I have a motorbike, I want to ride my motorbike and I want to see everything there is out there and uh, enjoy our surroundings. So that's my main preoccupation. Who knows where the world is going? I think we'll probably all be holidaying in the UK this year and what a lovely country it is to be stuck in. True, very true. So you are in lockdown also. You've told us that you've been working with some wood. What else have you been up to to keep busy? I've been on the tractor, I've been splitting wood, I've been chopping down old dead trees because I became actually as a teenager quite a good tree surgeon. So I um, I just picked up some old skills that I haven't used in a very long time. And lots of interesting different things that we've been finding on the land. It's funny because it's a totally involuntary holiday and I, I really crave uh, London life. I, I spent all my money on rent, so my studio's on Regent Street. I live just around the corner, so I, I literally... I'm always in the centre of London. I, I find it very hard to even imagine suburbia. And so it's very, for me, it's very strange to not be in that real rush of life. You know, I don't go to bed before 3am most days in London and I'm up for work the next morning, 7 or 8am. So I, I really lead a very busy, uh, charged life. And suddenly I'm exhausted by about half past nine here and I have to go to bed. And I find that suddenly I'm sleeping till 8 till 9am here as well. And it's just the whole rhythm and routine of life has changed so immeasurably that I can't quite work out if I'm the same person or not. But my mother, who obviously is now seeing me every day, says that I, I look so much better. Apparently. I, look, I look like a new man um, and so much younger. And, uh, and so I, I don't know what that really means. It, it's, it's certainly a healthy change for us all and a very nice sabbatical from the day-to-day -day life. Using this time to understand what good images look like and testing things out with a camera, even a smartphone, might not only be able to get you to overcome barriers to connect with your audience, whilst other options are not viable, it will also give you an opportunity to gain an understanding of the medium and perhaps prepare you for good communication with professional photographers in the future. If any of you do end up applying the advice and giving it a try, please do let us know. For now, I would like to thank you very much, Leo, for dedicating your time and sharing your expertise. Thank you. And then next week, I will be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. For now, this was Sophie Boons for the lockdown series of the BAJ podcast titled Photography, A Window to Another World.
in conversation with Leo Bieber. I wish you a good week and thank you for listening.